0: People of Earth. If you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy Plan planet. Watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts. Might be a (laughs) Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber Geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor, I'm just the definition of a fanboy,
1: baby. Listen up, fanboys. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast. Hi, this is your faithful moral compass and podcast producer, Rick Brett Snyder. As the holiday season approaches, we are skipping this week's recording session and instead bringing you a special treat. Derek McCaw had the opportunity to sit down with film producer and Dark Horse Comics founder Mike Richardson, and it's a fun chat to eavesdrop on. So, with that, Let's go live, via time travel, to the floor of Comic-Con San Diego earlier this year. So here at Comic-Con
0: with Mike, Re- Mike Richardson, the president, founder, any other title you like to give yourself for Dark Horse? A
2: bunch of them, yes. Those are good enough. <laughs> Whatever you want to have. Whatever you
0: want. Uh, so here we are... Uh, with quite a, a wide variety of of titles going out, where you know, if you looked back when you started, would you have imagined that this is where you'd get to be?
2: Uh, I'm a, I guess I'm an ultimate optimist. So yeah, I sort of saw that's where I wanted to go. I didn't, who knows whether you actually achieve it, but you know, I just uh, get an idea and start moving forward, and you keep getting ideas as you go. So it's an evolving thing. So. Originally when we started Dark Horse involved out of my retail store, I actually quit my job. I had a great job and uh, my wife got pregnant so I walked in and quit when well, she sent me a teddy bear with balloons on it so I walked in and quit my job. I had a great job because I had always wanted Knew I was going to start my own business so as soon as I was starting to have kids, I want to keep the job because I was afraid I'd get stuck there. So I went and quit. We moved 150 miles away to a town we didn't know, Bend, Oregon or knew no one, and uh, I rented a 400-square-foot space, and my wife was the uh, assistant to the president of, uh, of uh, First Interstate Bank, AmeriCard, and she quit her job. She'd been there for 10 years. I was 29, and she had worked there right out of high school, and went down to Bend to start a comic book shop. My friends actually practiced an intervention. Uh, they came down to Bend. Uh, women took my wife out, and my friends tried to talk me into going back and taking my job and get rid of this crazy idea. So we started the store and uh, then started opening more stores. At one time we had ten locations uh, actually in three states and uh, we used to have the retail chain. We slimmed down. That's the,
0: uh, for those that don't know Things yeah, from Another World? Things from
2: Another World. started out at Pegasus Books. started out as Pegasus Fantasy Books and I had to change the name because uh, people called for pornography. They thought Pegasus Fantasy Books. Fantasy meant a lot different uh thing I found out then (laughs) to some people than it does to me. So I had to get rid of that title. So then we uh you know, I have signings and writers and artists would come in and all of them complain that we're working for Marvel and DC that they're creating these characters and they didn't get to share in any of the ownership. So as a person who tries to think how what what's the next thing, I thought there's a company that pays the same rates as Marvel and DC does and at the same time offers them ownership why wouldn't a creator, especially a name creator, for instance, a Frank Miller, uh, take that deal? Right. Frank Miller, an artist like Frank Miller, is going to make whatever he makes, no matter who publishes it, it's just a fact of life. The market knows him, he's a brand. So, the first person that really uh, took me up on this offer was Paul Chadwick, who created a strip Concrete. called Concrete, which, uh, when oh. Paul was doing it regularly, um, made... Won Eisner every award, everything there was to win. Paul won those. So Paul and I have a long relationship. Uh, concrete is sort of the mascot of our company. I always bring him out when we take, whenever it, uh, we're trying to say what what's the epitome of a greater own deal, and that's Paul, right from the very first day. And Paul turned down a lot of uh, uh, maybe five or six of the biggest companies at the time when we started. Uh, once it, uh, concrete was launched, after they had all turned it down. He turned them down to stay with Dark Horse, so uh, we've been together ever since. But, uh, you know, then Frank came, and Frank was a big turning point for us. He came along with Jeff Darrell and Dave Gibbons and those those three people coming to Dark Horse at a Pacific time. We had been having great success with the lights and stuff, but that's what turned the creator own move, movement, uh, where we really a lot of the mainstream uh, big-name creators started to come over to Dark Horse. At the time it was Chris Claremont. Finally got Mike Mignola after chasing him for seven years, Walt Simonson, and, and the biggest names at the time in comics started bringing their books over to us. Well, during that time also, we started getting calls from the studios for our creator own stuff, and because uh, we had this idea that if we got in the entertainment business, we wanted to have our creators involved with the films. It's the only way you can really do that if you're a producer. I didn't know anything about producing, but uh, they'd say we wanted to license this project property or that, I'd say, well, then I have to produce. And uh, for about five years, I got uh, a Sony executive one night called me and just cussed me out on my phone on a Friday night while I was trying to uh, sit and watch a movie. But uh, a producer by the name of uh, Larry Gordon, a legendary producer, Larry Gordon has done some of the greatest films, uh, Field of Dreams, for instance, and Die Hard. and All these films called me one day and said, uh, he had been made aware of me by uh, uh, someone who worked for Lloyd Levin, and Larry called me and said, hey, boy, I hear you want to do films. If you want to do movies, get down here and we'll do movies. So I'm still in business. I've done many films on my own, but also with Larry, we've done, I think, six films together. I think we're working on a seventh together right now in a television series and a couple animated films that we've done together. So uh, that's been a long relationship. And Larry sort of taught me uh, the ropes of the film business and sort of took a shortcut in the meeting the people you need to meet and who you need to know to get your films done. So then, as a result, we started Dark Horse Entertainment back in the early 90s. Uh, we've actually sold about 90-some projects, which is amazing for me, even think, and I can't believe I can't be right. Then I go back and look at all the option deals we've done, 90 something and climbing and we well, produced right. almost 30, which is an amazing right, record. You sold
0: some, uh, you sold many, not all have come we to do fruition a, yet.
2: Yeah, we've probably got about uh, 12, 13 in active development right now, but to produce 30 out of 90 is an amazing record for any producer exactly. and uh, it's uh, we, we don't really uh, run that entertainment news out all the time. We, do, we usually do our uh, entertainment use when something's actually a a green lit to go and be produced. And a lot of times when we get big talent signing on to it, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people don't even know that we developed a script for Tarzan, we're involved as producers on Tarzan. I do know that, and and we
0: actually talked about it on our site. Oh, great. Because uh, I I knew that when you've had that, I mean, that's part of the eclectic uh, line that if if, you know, Dark Horse is, I don't know if I can narrow it down to one thing which I like, right. but I knew that Tarzan had been something that you had championed for years as a comic book. So, right. um, well,
2: I knew Danton Burroughs well. in fact, Danton uh, released the uh, last uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs book that he had, wouldn't release because it was written at a time where maybe uh, uh, a lot of the things uh, were acceptable in the culture at the time were not acceptable anymore. But I assured him that we would take care of it and uh, make I have sure that, the, that
0: last, uh, the lost story, the last ta- lost turned tape, turned into the last,
2: uh, Tarzan, yeah. the, last, it, uh, the last Tarzan, the lost, what was it, the Lost Tarzan adventure, That's where incredible. at the yeah. end of it, we literally put a cap on the uh, end of the uh, mythos of Tarzan because he, at the end of it, the last Tarzan novel that Burroughs had anything to do with, Tarzan's trapped at the Earth's core. So we didn't think he belonged in the modern world. So we trapped him where there's a jungle and dinosaurs and and uh, modern technology doesn't exist. So that's the last Burroughs-related Tarzan book. He's trapped at the Earth's core of Calusita. So, uh, the, uh, so anyway, so uh, we brought it in. A producer with the name of Alan Rich called me. John Levin at CAA was represented, and John was representing me. And they called and said, "That's pretty good costume." Right yeah, there. The, the shadow. Just One of my favorite characters when I was a kid. Villain. anyway, and he uh, called me and said that he thought that uh, Warner Brothers might be interested. So I went to Dan Burroughs and talked to him. And Dan, like I said, was a good friend, wonderful guy, as good a guy as uh, ever could be. And he wanted to see a real Tarzan on the screen. Not the me, Tarzan, new Jane. I mean, the yeah, Tarzan of the right. books could talk several languages. Oh, right. I've read several of them. Yeah. Uh, heir to a fortune and was very intelligent. Uh, probably, of all the movies, I think probably the Jock Mahoney uh, two films were probably the closest to the book Tarzan, even if the adventures weren't quite there. But uh, that well, was, I
0: love the casting. Yeah, uh, Alexander yeah. Skarsgård. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, oh, I couldn't Perfect. imagine a better one right Not now. Not a
2: muscle man, but... Uh, uh, lean. lean and mean, you yeah. know, like Tarzan should have been. So uh, we brought it in, and then it got... Other producers got involved. It sort of got bogged down for about 10 years, but then we got the opportunity to get back in, we developed the script over about nine months um, based more on the direction that Danton wanted to go. So we're very excited about the film.
0: How's that working? Because there's a French company making a...
2: Yeah, a completely different deal. That Because
0: it's a public domain? No, first, no, no, because
2: that evolved if you. Uh, for some reason, Disney let the Tarzan rights to the animated film go. Um, who knows? And I don't know they, what the heck was wrong. Right. They yeah, let okay. it go, and um, um, Burroughs got an offer uh, for uh, an animated film. So it's sort of a hybrid. It's uh, motion capture, I believe. I haven't seen it yet. But it's motion type of animation, uh, maybe like Beowulf was. Okay. And I, I don't think it's got even gotten uh, distribution over. Here. Well,
0: and I don't want to promote them. I want to promote your version. Yeah. I'm just curious how but that works. But I think it's already out and
2: gone. I don't
0: know, you know. I keep seeing trailers, but that's it. You know. Yeah. So, um, but ours is big budget. And I mean, it's not modern day, right? It's it's no, it's
2: taken in the late 1800s. It's got the
0: period, the right uh,
2: Historical people. There's um, a historical villain. That's involved. I don't know how much I'm supposed to talk about it, but uh,
0: maybe we'll leave it at that. Just because uh, I don't want yeah. you to get in trouble. It's a Although, really if, if great story. I don't know yeah, who that's yeah, a really great story. <laughs> so so yeah. that's and there. You, you've and I, as you're, you're right. I think a lot of people don't know the Dark Horse goes through that, but, but uh, I think it's a story that you know needs to be there yeah. and grateful yeah. for Dark Horse for that. Yeah. You've also you You've, you've got sliced toys. Yeah. You've got so much going on. Um, what are you most excited about now, say, in the coming year for Dark Horse?
2: Well, I, I, look, I'm. All the stuff we do, I, it all comes. Everything gets initially brought to me to see if we want to do it. So, I, anything we do, I, wow, that could be really great. So, whether it be the creators or the subject matter or the comics. I mean, we have something, Resident Alien, right now that we're just doing a deal for television, which was an idea that Peter Hogan pitched at me. And I thought, wow, that is a great idea. So uh, Resident Alien evolved out yeah. of that discussion, and it's a great thing. It's about a guy who from another planet who's living here trying to stay hidden because if they actually find him, right. they, but some he knows what will happen to but him. But
0: some people do know. I mean, yeah. I've I read, I read so some of it. he I comes down
2: into, he's he lives in this forested area, staying out of sight, but he's drawn into this murder mystery, which he has a natural... Um, curiosity about so he gets involved in this thing and it starts in a small little town where chances of him being um, discovered are small but as he goes into this mystery it's in wider and wider venues so one out of 10,000 people he looks just like an alien like you think an alien but he has this ability to mask himself so you look at him he's an alien you don't notice it but one out of 10,000 people that doesn't work they see him as just as he is. So the wider the venue he's in, as his mysteries joined him, more chance he's going to be found. And what's going to happen? Well, meanwhile, the men in black have just pulled a ship out of the lake. And so uh, they're going to be looking for him. And so it's a, you've got, what, Murder, She Wrote with E.T., I guess, combined with that. So well, it's a great, uh, great a good, idea and fun a fun project. Yeah. Yeah. And Resident Alien. You know, re- when a title can sell yeah. a, a story, then you know yeah. you're on to something. When the title alone tells you yeah. what you're looking at. And people get it right away. When you're pitching this stuff, it's so important that they get it right away. I think Michael Eisner said if he didn't get it in 30 seconds, the rest of it was all wasted time when you was sharing right. the pitch.
0: Right, right. We we'll about the, uh, the high concept. Yeah. It's it's high the high concept.
2: Um, you
0: know, and then there is, a, just, you've got to touch on it, because it, it's clearly you guys really changed I think the level of quality of what, say, film and television adaptation to comics were. Obviously, with you know, Star Wars, and you, you're capping a fantastic run. I mean, well, about 20 I, years.
2: Look, somebody always argues with me when I say whatever Dark Horse did. There were creator-owned comics before Dark Horse. There were companies that did creator-owned comics long before Dark Horse. But I think the real movement in the creator ownership started with Dark Horse. And uh, some of the other publishers have gotten angry at me for saying that but the truth is, we offered a unique deal, not a standard contract, to every creator. We negotiated every deal with every creator. And the thing that made us different, I believe, is that not only could a creator take his book anytime he wanted, uh, many of the other people did this part of it or that part of it. It's true. We weren't the first one. But we paid Marvel and DC page rates for creators to create their own book and own it and leave whenever they wanted. I don't think anybody did that, and that's what I think changed the landscape. Because creators before, if you went to Star Reaches or some of the other companies, we didn't really get paid anything. We right. paid them the regular rate on time, and then they could still own it and go wherever they wanted. So I think that allowed a lot of creators who were reluctant to do go into the crater uh, pool. And if you look at the time, there weren't that many creators doing it. Well, out of that, when Frank Miller came, that opened the floodgates right, because... Right. Look, we talked to the image guys in the early days, whatever story you hear about how it started. They were talking to us. We couldn't make a deal. We could not make a deal. They wanted a certain deal. We wouldn't do it. So they started their own company. They went with another company, actually. Malibu at first, Malibu at first. But we were in touch. I talked to Todd all the way through. Todd actually asked me advice on what would happen if he pulled out of there. And I said... If you pull out of there and it doesn't work, they're just going to pay you twice as much to come back. So you're at no risk. If you're a name creator with talent, you you have no reason to worry. And so, you know, Image came out of that. All of that was started because all the guys, when uh, Frank came then to Dark Horse, it was like the established card you mean it's all the new guys you know, yeah. all the guys that were just hitting the scene and hot great talent going over there so and then it just snowballed out so you know not trying to take credit for anything but I think Dark Horse did spearhead the, the big movement towards uh, greater ownership but at the same time when we started we, we would get these uh, books that like Paul's book huge uh, for, for from the critics Awards. All our books are getting awards, but uh, I think our best-selling books sold thirty thousand copies. And in those days, books were selling hundreds of. Well oh, yeah, thirty
0: thousand now would be great.
2: But thirty thousand now is a hit. Yeah, thirty thousand in those days was on the verge. If it was Marvel or DC, it was canceled immediately. Uh, Marvel had a policy back then. I think that anything under a hundred thousand got canceled. Now there's been months where not a single book has sold over a hundred thousand. Comic. Yeah. So um, what we wanted, we were trying to figure out what what do we do? Well, then we started talking about uh, movies based on film, and we thought, God, what a great area to go. And before Dark Horse, I think for the most part, again I'm generalizing. Don't anybody write me a letter. But before Dark Horse, if you look at the books, there are adaptations. Sometimes the adaptations were good, like Walt Simonson did the first Aliens. Great adaptation. That was adaptation. great. That was a great adaptation. Uh, but most of the times the books, you go back to Dell and to Marvel, they were get somebody to do it and count on the title to sell the book. Right. right. Who's available? Right. They didn't own them. they get in, get out. We had a different approach. When we were thinking about it, it, was from being two true film fans, genre fans, and we wanted to do the sequel. Wow, if we can get the license, now we can write the, our ending to the story, our next chapter story, just the way we want. Wow, that was great power in those days, and nobody was really yeah. doing that. So we did Aliens, hundreds of thousands, yeah. Then we were looking for another one. We did Predator, hundreds of thousands. Then we did Alien versus Predator, ch- peanut butter and the chocolate, whatever, however yeah. that goes. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of. Thousands. Did you
0: get a piece of that when it became a film franchise? I was a producer. On you were. Work. Okay. Well, I wrote okay. the
2: original movie treatment for it.
0: So, yeah. so, oh, I So, and great.
2: Randy wrote the comics. I wrote the treatment, brought it to Larry Gordon, and eventually that evolved in me being one of the producers on yeah. the project. So um, we uh, um, then it was Terminator and right. Star Wars, and you know. We kept doing it. Now you see pretty much all the companies doing licensing yeah. comics copying our model. Right. I was t- I was told that uh, one of the, he's now a publisher at one of the companies, but I was told that he, in between companies, actually became a consultant. He studied our model for two years, the Dark Horse model for aspiring comic book startup, and then went and was hired to go around and teach our model after. So, if you look, there's a lot of companies that have a certain amount of credit, no, uh, yeah, so certain good. amount of license. I do license. you guys.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, as you say, there were a few one-offs here and there. Where yeah. It was very insane, like Waltz well, i saying. But you you raised the bar on how this was Yeah, I to think be done.
2: so. I think we did.
0: So, now, as we talk talking about, like, sales are very different than they were 20 years ago. This convention is a huge... Media, it it, it, it is a celebration of the popular. It's not really
2: a comic book convention. No.
0: So what? What is still like your great white whale? What still excites you about this place or or
2: where media is going? I have to be honest. I don't get that excited about coming to San Diego after twenty eight years, except for the people I see. It's so crowded, and it's so gives us a good opportunity to see our booth gets better year by year. We get to promote all of these. uh, great projects, but um, it's a real media circus. you know? Well, it was taken right. away
0: from Comic-Con, but, but I mean where you know, you've gone on to online publishing there's been some... Yeah, Digital, digital
2: we're the only company that set up our own digital storefront for the sales of our comics. Most of them uh, use Comixology. Uh,
0: I think Marvel's about to follow suit. But,
2: could be. Yeah, I'm uh, sure Disney will... I've uh, right. heard rumors that Disney's So what's uh, the next move for Dark Horse? So we've got a lot of things coming up. We've got uh, an announcement coming up very soon that we're just trying to close the uh, deal on uh, that has to do with digital and the Internet, and uh, uh, that's coming soon. Uh, Look, we try to stay out. The kiss of death in this particular industry is to sit in the same place. So I think we've always been on the forefront. We're the first one, for instance, to bring in house coloring, department mm-hmm. uh, in, in uh, back when they were still cutting film we went did we went uh, uh, wanted to say digital but we brought in a uh, coloring. get color yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. so we were the first ones to bring that in the house we we're the first ones to put up an uh, internet site we we're the first ones to put it up in, a, in the comic put it in an internet store an all-out store yeah. which by the way just kills now our, our online stores yeah world. You know, look, we're just trying to be out on the edge. We want to be... Um, no, keep talking. Well, I'm just
0: trying to get... Ca- I like to get, you know, uh, casual shots, I see you know, it. to okay. make it like...
2: Sorry. Well, we, uh, we just try to be on the edge. We try to stay on top of what's going. Uh, now the digital front is changing so fast that you have to really pay attention. And if you blink, you're behind the curve. So we're trying to stay out there. And, you know, there's, there's other companies, for instance, that beat us to digital but it was it was by design when other companies went digital we had some really unsatisfactory comics that were through the uh, di- distribution devices that were available at the time we got big offers and we said no I was waiting for Apple, I was waiting for the iPad and when I finally, the iPad came out and I saw what our comics could look like that was it, that's when we entered the digital age then the idea was, let's have our own site. I believe eventually, every publisher is going to have to have their own digital site, so why waste time putting it somewhere else when it's only going to be more expensive and harder as more time goes by. So we invest a lot of money, set up our own site, and, yeah, the, uh, so why, why invest in somebody else's business? Now, I know David Steinberg. He's a great guy. I really like him. We, we're trying to figure out somehow how to work with Comics Solid. Or I should say, Comic Solid is the Amazon right now. Yeah. But that's how fast the landscape changes in this yeah. digital world. It's not really caught the traction that it will at some point. Uh, we see bigger sales every month. Uh, they the continue thing. to grow, and they will continue to grow. And uh, the... Uh, Sorry, a lot of people saying that. Uh, no, 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 I know. It's that's a that's a, the good thing. Is it's a sign of a successful booth, right? Yeah. So anyway, so look, it all excites me. The idea of going dark horse. We hit a mark that I've been waiting for for a long time last year, and uh, financially, and now we're going to the next one, and uh, it's exciting to find the ways that we can do. Our new deal with uh, um, Random Random House Penguin Random House has. We can't believe. The, we sold out immediately of 40 graphic novels in the first couple weeks. Literally I had to go back to press the, the new channels that they found for our book. So that's exciting. The new creators were exciting. Uh, obviously Chuck's Fight Club 2 is crazy exciting. Uh, only place it's going to appear is in the graphic novel. Fight Club 2. Oh, right, yes. By the original Sorry. author. Yes. Uh, Chuck Palahniuk. Yeah. Um, the... Uh, so the, ex- the projects, the comic book project, Jeff Darrow's uh, brought back Big Guy and Rusty for the relaunch of Dark Horse Presents, where we went to a smaller format. Um, the, uh, um, uh, what else, the growth of the digital side, the new films we have, you yes, ask me we what excites me, it all excites me. It's, uh, it's, it's the excitement of being with a vibrant, growing company. You know? And it's still growing after what? 28 years, you know, we're still growing. That's great. If we start going the other way, I'll stop being excited. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much.
1: Sorry that got cut off a little short, but we're so glad we were able to share that with you, fanboys and girls. And a reminder, if you've enjoyed the Fanboy Planet podcast and feel like showing it, use any of the product or donation links on the Fanboy Planet website to buy yourself something, or just help us with hosting costs. As always, we want you to support your local brick-and-mortar stores, but if you're unable to find the same item locally, please help us out while you treat yourselves to something nice. As always, this is Rick Snyder reminding you to Use Use Your your Powers powers Only only For for good. Good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at com.
2: The power of brains compels you.
1: Okay, I think we got this down.